Nice one. So today on the podcast, on the Human Nutrition Lifestyle Podcast, we've got Mr. Shane Finn. So welcome, Shane. Matthew, what is up, man? How are you? Jolly good. Brilliant. Um, how are you over there in uh, Ireland? What's it like? It's not too bad, man. Yeah, we're just across the water here and uh, our next door neighbors here. We're neighbors with, with uh, you guys, obviously. Yeah, we're. it's not bad. It's been a strange... Uh, eight months now at this stage i guess obviously you know um where i'm from in ireland down i'm down from the very southwest coast so nearly on the american side of ireland we'll say um and i'm from a tiny little town called dingle and it's a huge tourist destination uh but but not this year it's been a very big uh, staycation destination uh, our government has tried to encourage people to go on their vacation in ireland um which worked really well but now that you know kids are back to school and and, and everybody's working from home and stuff it's it's a bit quiet um but you know what i've managed okay over the last i think uh last eight months i think anybody into endurance doesn't mind their own company uh, especially the ultra stuff that i've gotten into over the last number of years i'm actually pretty okay my life hasn't changed too much uh with lockdown but um yeah we're, we're doing okay it's obviously not ideal but we're making the best of it so nice one you mentioned that you're an endurance athlete and shane so yep. tell us a little bit of your background what and what you're interested in yeah, God, uh, it's a case, Matthew, where, where do I start? Um, so I actually ran my first marathon when I was 18. Uh, that was 10 and a half years ago now. And uh, yeah, I literally lost the run of myself, no pun intended, after that first marathon. I, I did it to raise money for charity, um, uh, the charity that affects my family directly. So my first cousin, who I'm very good friends with and very close to, Mary, she has a condition called spina bifida. Um, so it's actually quite prevalent in Ireland, the UK, and in Europe, actually. Um, Ireland is one of the highest birth rates of spina bifida in Europe. Um, but yeah, it's, you know, I suppose I saw growing up how difficult life was for my cousin, Mary, and um, just wanted to make a little bit of a, a change if I could, you know, I suppose I was young, I was, was fit. I was always into kind of fitness and training and running. And I used to run in secondary school, like our, our high school kind of, you know, but um, to be honest, when I think back, the only reason I would do it is because A, I got to leave school for like half a day or B, there was like girls going as well. So that was the only reason I would run for school, to be honest, you know, uh, but obviously now it's kind of my life. So I ran my first marathon when I was 18. And um, yeah, kind of, kind of, kind of took off from there. You know, I did a couple of marathons. Was learning, obviously, as the things goes on, and the charity aspect of it was really big for me. Um, so what I started to do was I started to raise like a lot of money. Like back then, there wasn't a huge amount of people doing marathons for charity. And then as the popularity grew, I was like, I want to continue raising money for the charity. And I knew I'd have to do something a bit different, you know, just to try and raise more money, basically, you know, to kind of, I suppose. Uh, Get, get people interested in what we were doing. And I decided to run across Ireland from Dublin, uh, which is on the east coast of Ireland, obviously Dublin, the capital, down to Dingle. So it was from the east coast all the way down to the southwest coast. And that took me 12 days, a marathon every day for 12 days. So that was my first kind of jump into ultra multi-day endurance. And that was in 2014. And um, fast forward three years, I actually did uh, 24 and 24 days. And the significance of the number 24, uh, Matthew, is... Um, in Christmas of 1516, um, I happened to meet my cousin Mary's doctor, uh, one of the doctors who had been looking after her since she was a baby. And um, they just happened to be in our little town, Dingle, and we just happened to be in the same restaurant. We were going in and they were coming out. And it was not planned. It was, it was just a complete stroke of luck, uh, act of God, whatever way you want to look at it. And um, we got chatting. And, you know, just as we were sitting down and they were leaving, he said, um, I'm not sure if you know, but, you know, your cousin Mary she loves you and she talks about you all the time and 
Um, you know, he said that girl feels the feeling of pain 24 hours a day. Um, and that was a, you know, it was like a sledgehammer had hit me across the side of the head. It was almost like, you know, it was almost like another 9-11 moment. You know, we all remember where we were when we heard about 9-11 over in the US. It was kind of a similar enough thing, but in my own world that nobody else experienced. And from then that moment on, I mean, that whole Christmas just been a write-off because I was just like, I have to do more. I have to do something else. And that's when I came up with the idea to do the 24 and 24. Um, so fast forward, we, we, we executed that. We raised nearly 150,000 euro, which is a lot of cash for a small charity. Um, and then in 2019, I came up with the bright idea of crossing America. Uh, so in 2019, I cycled and ran across America in 36 days from, from the San Francisco, San Francisco uh, to New York City. So Pacific Ocean, the Atlantic Ocean. Uh, and that was phenomenal. We raised like nearly another 100 grand again. So um, yeah, listen, you know, I suppose from humble beginnings in that first marathon, not really knowing what I was doing. Um, you know, now I suppose I've, I've got kind of... Uh, two businesses and that literally my life now revolves around kind of helping people um, get into fitness, do their first ultra, do their first marathon and, um, you know, do a lot of speaking and stuff like that. So yeah, it's really like, you know, I've just kind of turned my passion into my, uh, my job, I guess. And I, yeah, have a bit of fun as well along the way. That's great. That's, that's brilliant, Shane. I mean, like you say, it kind of puts it into perspective when you see what some people battle through every day you know, and, and then you can go out there and do a marathon. I mean, even if you're doing a marathon for five or six hours, whatever, it's only that five or six hours where you see what people have to battle through every day. So it's, it's, it's great that you can raise money for such, uh, such causes. It's a, it's a brilliant way to do it. Yeah, absolutely. And I actually had a call this morning with um, the, the, the Irish consulate in New York and I shared a similar, um, a similar point, you know, they obviously wanted to hear all about the crossing America trip and, and, um, you know, I suppose that that event was 36 days. Um, but on the 37th day, you know, I, I got to go back to being Shane and I got to go back to my normal life. But my cousin Mary had to get up and fight again. And she'd been in that for 36 years. Do you know what I mean? So when you put the two together, uh, there's no comparison. You know, I'm, I'm just I'm just very lucky and I'm really grateful to be able to do what I do. And, yeah, I'm going to continue doing it for as long as I can, because I know a lot, of, not, not a lot, not everybody can, you know. I think it's a great mindset for any endurance athlete to have, you know, just to think that, um, all right, everybody's going to feel um, painful and it's going to feel tough at times, but just think, you know, you're doing it for that moment in time, whereas some people have to have to live with these things. But uh, so yeah, anyway, absolutely. you've, uh, you've uh, been uh, doing it a long time and you've nailed down a lot of uh, things then. So what we're all about here at uh, human nutrition and lifestyle is actually the nutrition side of things so with you having run marathons and ultra marathons and that you must have managed to figure out different ways of um feeding your body getting energy from your body so um if you could uh, talk to us a bit about um maybe where you started with your nutrition how you've seen it uh, progress uh, through what you've been doing yeah, absolutely. This is a complex situation, but I, I'm very excited to talk about it because um, similar to everybody maybe that's listening in uh, to the podcast, uh, Matthew, or, or that might listen to it in the future, um, I'm still learning uh, when it comes to my nutrition and I'm still testing things. I'm still figuring things out. And, and that's, um, you know, I'm hitting on 11 years training now, you know. So what, what, what I want to suppose get across to people is that for me anyways, there is, there's, you know, I don't follow any kind of massively 
strict, strict protocol. I've tested things out and I've found out what works for me. Um, I've gone down the road of, of doing Ironmans with 18 gels. Um, I've done Ironmans on no gels, um, you know, and I've performed a bit better in the one I did the no gels in, you know, but, you know, it just comes down to a couple of different things. Um, I suppose challenging mainstream, whatever that might be, you know what I mean? I suppose, look, we all get recommendations here and there of, of what we should be doing and what we should not be doing. And, um, I, you know, slid, slotted into the category of watching what everybody else was doing, reading uh, things on the internet and saying, oh, this is how, what I should do. And I never really challenged it uh, up until kind of maybe post 24 marathons when my health um, became actually my main priority for about a three month period because I just run around the whole country of Ireland. Now it's a small country, but it's a long run. And, you know, I had to kind of figure out, I was like, okay, my blood work and stuff wasn't really great. Um, you know, I was fatigued all the time, all this kind of stuff, you know? And I was like, I, I got to start working on like longevity here. And I, you know, I was eating, my, my, my diet was very carb heavy. Um, at that point, um, you know, I was doing the gels and the shakes and all that kind of stuff. And yeah, I suppose, look, I just had to have a, a sit back and I think and a reassess of, 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 you know, what, what's going on here. Like, you know, a little bit of a deeper look into it. And I needed to say, listen, you know, I'm, I'm 28. Like I want to win my age group in the Dingle Marathon when I'm 70. Like that's a goal I have. That's a genuine goal I have that I want to win. And I want to beat my grandchildren as well. So in order for me to be able to do that, I need to be able to be very, very healthy. So what I started to realize was I was consuming a lot of, we'll say, not not good quality sugar, like things like shock blocks and gels and all, you know, on the turbo trainer inside, you're just, you just knock back a gel or you have a caffeine gel on the treadmill, just little things like that, just to give me a bit of a kick, you know? And I just noticed some markers of not great um, quality of life. Let's just say my sleep quality wasn't great. Uh, my recovery was a bit hit and miss. My stomach was, we won't even go down the stomach road, but you know, things like that were, um, we're starting to pop up. And then I kind of started to test out a, a kind of a lower carb approach. Now I will say as well, just for transparency purposes, I wasn't completely no carb. Um, but I did, I did go down a lower carb approach and I implemented that into my life and my lifestyle. Um, and it seemed to work really well for me. Um, from just certain things, you know, from a, a, using fat as a fuel source was a, was a big, big, big part of what I did in preparation for America. So just to give some context, you know, I would go a week, a typical weekend, a Friday might be a marathon and then a Saturday, Sunday could be two, six hour bikes. Um, so, you knew I, I needed to not have any upset tummies. I needed to be able to go for a long time at a low intensity. Um, and just, you know, I needed to kind of cut back and all the, the crap I was eating, basically, you know, I just think there was a bit of a thing out there with, with endurance athletes that, you know, you're doing all this training, you can get all the calories in that you want and yeah, I tried it. And like I said, it just didn't feel great. Do you know what I mean? So, you know, I kind of reassessed things, took a bit of a step back, um, cut massively back on supplements and things like that. Um, and only use things like gels and stuff now very, very sparingly. I don't rely on them anymore. Um, I'm not, you know, <laughs> I'm not showing up to the start line of a marathon like a superhero with 10 each side of my le left hip and 10 on my right hip. You know, I might have one or two, um, you know, and I understand that really now these aren't really doing anything for my quads. It's more fueling my brain more so than anything else. And um, because I know my body can go. Um, so it just had to, you know, have a really good think about, okay, what's this doing to me short-term, but what's it also doing to me long-term? That was a big question for me. And when I, when I realized that Matthew, I had to, I was like, okay, like 
this needs I need to change. You know what I mean? Because the way I'm going, I'm 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 not going to be healthy, quote unquote healthy, uh, when I'm forty. Not mind seventy when I need to win that age group race. So. <laughs> Yeah, I think that's great. That's that's the, the way um, my, me personally, I'm trying to look at it now as well. And I'm trying to get the information across to um, other people that uh, I perhaps train with or other people that are asking that sort of question who are, who are actually ha- at the point now where you was, where your body's starting to not respond in, in the particular way that you want it to and, and starting to feel all the ailments uh, now that that's coming with a lot of training. So for, for people who are perhaps in that situation at the moment, they're starting to think, hang on a minute, something's not right here. You know, I'm consuming the carbs as is, as is what's meant to be, as is what the mainstream tells us. So how do they then go and, and switch into what you call fat burning? How do they then go from being, let's say, a sugar burner, consuming all these sugars into transitioning to be perhaps a fat burner? That process for me was quite slow. And I, I, I will put my hand up and say, I thought it was going to be a lot faster. Again, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm an optimist, but I'm also a realist as well. So what I did basically was to transition myself out of that place was I started just doing some faster training in the mornings. Um, you know, we have, <clears throat> we have about 90 minutes of glycogen stores, plus or minus, we're all a bit different, male and female as well, depending on how well trained you are. Um, plus or minus about 90 minutes, you know, we can just have a, a little bit of water and we can run, you know, 15, 16K, whatever. Um, so what I started to do was I started to get up in the mornings, have a black coffee and just, just go run really easy. Um, I wasn't doing any kind of interval-based stuff. And, and it's, it's, it was important to understand as well that I was training to cross a continent <laughs> over 36 days, not run a 36-minute 10K. So I was going to be going for a long time. So I need to be very efficient. Um, I need to be able to burn fat as a fuel source for a long amount of time. Um, and then I needed to be able to, you know, not have to eat crap all the time, basically, as well. Um, so what I started doing was started training um, at a very, very kind of low intensity, um, 30 minutes, 40 minutes, 50 minutes, an hour. And I built that all the way up to about five hours with just water and a coffee. Um, now, that took time. And it took took quite a while, and I, I could go a bit further while cycling. Um, I'm not too sure why, but I used to be able to go a little bit further on cycling than I could running without consuming something. And then if I were to consume anything in a run, um, I actually found it difficult. And maybe this is personal, or if I don't know if anybody else has experienced this, or maybe you've experienced it yourself, Matthew. I found it hard to consume actual fat while I was actually exercising or moving. Um, so if I would have something, and I'm talking a couple of hours in, it could be something like a banana or just something that's easily digestible. And I get a lit, just some simple sugars to kind of just keep my brain switched on more so than anything. Um, but again, I found out that, you know, I don't need a gel every 15 minutes. I don't need a, you know, these massive carb shakes every night. I don't need four bowls of pasta the night before a long run. You know what I mean? I just eat my normal dinner and then I just get up and go, you know? So it took it took a while. But what I would recommend, I mean, look at it, look at the year, right? All the events in Ireland, the UK are, are either cancelled or were cancelled or will be cancelled. Um, so now is a great time to kind of test these kind of things out you know this has been recorded late october but now is a great time to kind of test these things out and see what works and what doesn't work and you know i often get the question is oh i don't even know where to start and my answer to that is just start you know add in a couple of sessions a week and and and, and see see how you get on and, and build it up really slowly exactly that's that's what i say just go day by day just start day by yeah. day do something different tomorrow that you did today and it's and the, and the process as you explained is going to be different to everybody 
Uh, you know, so somebody may do it really, really quickly, may adapt really, really quickly and find it quite easy. Somebody may find it really, really slow and really hard to adapt like, like yourself. And, and me personally, I, I kind of went in peaks and troughs. So sort of when I first started doing it, I thought, oh, this is really easy and, and, and managed to stay at that level for a bit and then drop down and thought, actually, you know, it's not that easy. Sort of had, had a bit of a crash and then and then back up again. So people may experience that as well. Uh, a lot of people may experience something that's um, commonly known as keto flu, which is um, your brain sending you signals that it really wants feeding with glucose. You know, it yeah. really wants some sugar to perform. And, and you've said yourself that your body can easily, once you've kind of got on the road to fat adaption, your body can quite easily cope. It can burn away the fat. It's mostly your brain, the one that you have to keep happy, especially during um, like ultra marathons and things that you do. So um, is, is there any sort of techniques that you can do to try and keep your brain happy? Yeah. So what, what I, what I started to do, right. Was I used to kind of have a time set in my mind. So as if I was going on a long ride or a long run, um, and you know, I, I was going to consume something, some kind of a simple sugar, you know, I would, I would have it pre-planned. So you know how powerful the brain is, you know, you can, so if you tell yourself you're going to have something at three hours, magically at three hours, you'll start to struggle a little bit because you've told yourself you're going to consume X at X amount of time. So, you know, I would have my half a banana or something. Usually, with for me, it was usually a banana because I used to run loops, loops, and I passed my house. So, if I needed water or whatever, um, I would have it there. So, I know after 30K or three hours or whatever it might have been, they could have something, you know, really simple or something like that. And that used to help me a lot. Um, so, to be honest, I think, you know, just just i think for the, for the brain um is to not not to not to go too deep too quick that'd be the, my, my number one recommendation as well for people that are going kind of testing this out and maybe trying it Um, don't go too deep too quick and then you know kind of coax the brain along with you yeah yeah and you, you mentioned earlier about keeping the training easy i mean there's still yeah. there's still lots of people out there who, who think every training session has to be you know, foot to the floor, smash it as hard as you can. If you're doing that and you're trying to fat adapt, it's never going to happen, is it? No, no, no. I, 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 I um, I, I suppose one thing, and as well, you know, it's always important to look at these from 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 both aspects. I found that when I was training to cross the continent of America. Uh, 85% of my training was very easy. And then the other stuff would have been longer strength-based intervals on the bike um, or some kind of hill reps. And they would be long kind of hill reps, not like 100 meters. These would be like one kilometer. Um, and even that, so when you look at it, the grander scheme of things, that's not really hardcore intensity either. Um, so yeah, I just think that in order for an adaptation to occur, you have to allow the body some time to actually adapt. So if you're trying to, you know, adapt your nutrition and manipulate it a little bit, um, and then also, you know, recover from really hard training, it's like burning the candle at both ends, you know, something's going to, the flame is going to get to one side faster than it's going to get to the other, you know, so you just be conscious of that and, and just really take your time. But the problem is that everybody is very individual when it, when it comes to that. Some people can adapt very quickly uh, and, and others, it might take some time, you know what I mean? So for me, it was close to a year before I really got into it. And, and you know, the problem is with, with social media, all this kind of stuff, if you try to sell somebody something and say, oh, it could be a year before you feel any difference. That's not a sexy thing to sell. You know, people want something in seven days or seven minutes or whatever the heck people are selling now. Um, you know, so it's a hard, it's a hard sell, but I, I think really, you know, things like, um, 
you know, I was a couple of my health markers looked a lot better over time. And for me, that was a huge, huge part of it. And I mentioned that earlier on as well. And um, my overall health was was a huge priority for me. Um, and I wanted to ensure that that was to, to, the, to the front as well. Yeah, I think I was something similar, Shane. I was about a year after all the peaks and troughs. It, it took me yeah. sort of the best part of a year to get to uh, where I started to realize, actually, yeah, this, this really does work. Um, so you mentioned, you know, your health and your day to day. So we, we do all have people listening to this podcast who are not really into that much endurance, but they just want to nail down their health. They want to make sure that they can still play with their grandkids and things, you know, when they're into their 70s and 80s and ear and ear away from the old chronic disease and, and things like that. Um, so on a day to day nutrition basis, what are the, the types of things that you think are, are better for us? So I, I keep my kind of day-to-day -day life very, very simple. Anybody looking from the outside in think it's very chaotic and very wild because I'm so busy and things like that. But to be honest, I don't feel it, it's that way at all. Um, so what I do is I, you know, the first thing I do every day is I try to exercise in some way, shape or form. Now, at the moment, that could be an indoor bike session. It could be an easy run. It could be a, a strength session in, in, the, in the garage or in the gym. Um, but I try and do something every single morning to get myself going and to, to keep myself moving, um, not only for, for strength and movement, just for my brain and for my, my mental health as well. Do you know what I mean? Because we're in the middle of a global pandemic and everybody's like, you know, a little bit back. Everybody's just a bit down and stuff like that. So I've identified the thing that makes me feel good is, is, is exercise. From the nutritional side of things, I eat a very, very kind of local diet. I mean, I can eat my breakfast and everything on the plate can be from within a 20 mile radius. Fresh eggs, fresh local pudding, uh, fresh milk, local butter, uh, local cheese, things like that. Um, I try to keep it as natural as I can. Now, we don't, we don't grow avocados in Ireland just yet. So the avocados might be Spanish or something. But other than that, you know, local bacon, everything, everything's all pretty local. Um, I'm lucky enough to live on a farm. So we, we, we have our own beef. We've got our own lamb. Um, my, all my friends are fishermen. We, Dingle's a fishing town. So we can literally get hake, salmon, whatever we want straight off the boat, cod, uh, any day you want, you just drive down to the pier. They're, they're, they're selling it there. So yeah, I grew up like that. Um, and I'm very, very glad that I did. So, you know, I try, I try my best to kind of not eat conveniently obviously i still enjoy the odd pizza and glass of wine every now and again obviously like everybody but i do try myself to to get invested in my actual food as well okay where is it coming from um what was its life cycle i'm preparing it i'm almost becoming part of it if that makes sense and you just enjoy your food a bit more you become a little bit more aware of what you're eating where it's coming from rather than just you know slapping something on really quick because you need to get it done um, I think that's quite important. And obviously as well, you know, trying to strike some balance. The thing is, if you're absolutely 100% eating clean all the time and I've done it, I feel like as if I'm always about to slip off. So I do allow myself a little bit of grace period. You know, I do enjoy a beer every now and again. Like I said, I do enjoy the odd pizza, but it'd be after a hard session or a hard run or something like that. Um, and I just try to keep, keep some kind of a balance in it because, like I said, everything is so quick at the moment. Everything's so quick and easy, you know, and it almost like it goes back against kind of what we were supposed to do like 20 or 30 or 40 or 50 years ago. You know, when you look back, things have evolved very fast, very quickly. Um, and I just think that's a bit strange. And that's coming from a guy that's still in his 20s. You know, I'm like, this is all like, I'm not sure if this is really like correct, you know. So I just want to go back to keeping it natural. You know, I grew up on, like I said, growing up on the farm. We see, see my, my nana like cooking meats and 
bacon, fresh bread and all that kind of stuff, you know, and I just think it's important that we kind of stick to those um, and not deviate too far away from them. That's kind of how I like to, how I like to, to live and li- live and roll anyways. Yeah, like you mentioned, I think um, our grandparents and our great-grandparents, they had a bit of a better idea about what was good for us than uh, perhaps a, a newer generation of uh, people do. Uh, a lot of things that you listed there uh, that you eat are, are nutrient-dense foods. And, and like you say, it's you don't really like to jump into a camp. We don't like to jump into a camp here anyway. I don't like to say go keto, go carnivore, paleo, any of that sort of thing. It's just about eating real food. And uh, nutrient-dense food, I, I try to promote um, people over to nutrient-dense food, which are mostly animal produce and, and fresh produce and things like that. Because what I feel like is a lot of people today feel like they have to sort of constantly eat throughout the day. Whereas if you're eating um, more food that's giving you more vitamins, giving you more minerals, more nutrients, then you perhaps don't have to eat as much throughout the day. So even you who's training a lot, doing plenty of training sessions, do you find that perhaps you don't have to eat as readily throughout the day? Absolutely. So one one of that's really interesting point. So one of the things, right, is yeah, I took yesterday off and I only ate, I only ate two meals yesterday, and you know I wasn't star- I didn't die. Like uh, I'm still alive. You know I am like I, I wasn't starving, hungry all day. Um, but what I did was I was kind of a bit smart, or a little term we use in Ireland is kind of cagey about when I um when I had them. So for example, yesterday I woke up at like half six, seven, uh, did a quick workout, did some work. And I had like a, an eggs based breakfast at about half 10, 11 AM. And then I had a dinner around four or five, uh, like two or three o'clock in the afternoon. I had like a black coffee. Um, and that was it. You know, I was in, I was in bed by half nine, 10, you know, so I didn't train yesterday. So I didn't feel the need to get a load of calories in. What I would do is, and one of the things I practiced when I was getting ready to cross the US was um, I really upped my good fat intake. And the reason I did that is because there's more calories in good fat than there are, we'll say, in carbohydrate or, or protein. Um, so there's about nine grams or nine calories, excuse me, per gram. So nine calories per gram. Um, I think there's four or so in, in, in both protein and carbohydrate. So what I would do to get more calories in is I would just increase my good fat intake. So little things I would use some Kerrygold butter, uh, which is made here in Kerry, which is really cool. And, um, you know, we some kind of like uh, steaks and stuff like that, just to add some nuts, use some coconut oil throughout the day, little things like that, that would kind of bring my calorie content up a bit. But I wasn't necessarily eating and eating and eating and eating all day. I would just increase my good fat intake and then use those calories uh, in the bank for, for for training later on. That's right. When when you become fat adapted, you can eat good fats and you can access them as well, which is obviously the, the thing we're trying to get across. It's accessing those fats that you've got because uh, people feel like, uh, you know, you get headaches and, and things like that, that I've mentioned before and your brain starts playing tricks on you and you're not able to access it. But you have to go through the, the training, you know, put the time in, put the effort in. Like you say, do fasted runs, you know, keep the training low and things like that. So you mentioned that um, you still like a beer, you still like a, a pizza, things like that, as we all do. You know, nobody's absolutely perfect. <laughs> nobody wants, nobody really wants the perfect diet today. You, you've got to be able to, to have those things in your diet. But I know it's important to some people to say, well, when can we get these in, in our diet? When's the best time to perhaps consume pizzas and, and beers and, and things like that? So for me, there's just a two prong thing here, right? It's, it's, um, it's mostly for me, it's mental. 
So if I've had a busy, like I have two businesses, I'm busy I'm training like at the moment about 10 to 12 hours a week, you know, a couple of Ironmans lined up next year. I'm kind of starting to think about those, you know. So, you know, my, for me, usually it's a Saturday night. So it's usually you do my long run on Saturday and then it's kind of pizza and maybe two beers or two glasses of wine. And then that's it. I'm, I'm straight back. I'm back to work, back to quote unquote work or, or normality on Sunday. Um, so for me, you know, if I was to get, get a big kind of a, a carb hit like that, it'd be after a, a kind of a longer run or a longer training session. Um, thing is, you know, I'd have eaten very well all week. Um, it's not as if one pizza or one beer is going to outdo all the hard work I've just done all week. I mean, I've done my bike sessions, I've done my gym work, I've done my long run. You know, I've looked after my wife, slept well. If anything, it's actually probably going to be good for me because I'll enjoy it. I'll just, you know, kick back a little bit rather than kind of, I suppose, constantly starving myself and constantly like watching every gram that I eat. I actually think it's, it's probably good because I feel good. It's a social thing. I don't have it with my family or a couple of mates or whatever. Um, you know, and it just for me, it's just about kind of what it's almost like a winding down thing as well. Um, but I think as well, right. What, and again, I've been a kind of a trainer now for 10 years. What I always try to get people to do, Matthew, is don't think that something like that is going to completely derail. Like you don't just press the, the, we call it the fuck it button when you have something like that it's completely normal you just enjoy it at the time while you're having it it's really important at points to to actually have them and to have them to look forward to um and then just get straight back to it the next day you don't have to go off the rails for two or three days just because you had a you know a, a meal that you enjoy um i think you should have a meal that you enjoy every so often because i think if you're too strict all the time you're setting yourself up for a bigger fall and if you allow some things in there that you enjoy i think it's really important because it helps you build a really good relationship with your food um you know and it's good just to i suppose let the hair down a little bit now again the danger is in the dose you know so i wouldn't usually go on a saturday i wouldn't usually go more than two or three drinks you know, obviously I've done, I've done nights where you go out and you have six or seven or eight points of Guinness and training quality is poor probably until the Wednesday, you know, so that, that is very seldom, that doesn't happen massively much anymore. Um, but again, look, I think the dangers in the dose, you know what I mean? You know, obviously just for people to kind of find out what their, what their limit is, but yeah, look, personally, I, I enjoy it. Like I said, it's just a, between work and training and everything that's going on in the world. Sometimes it's good just to, to shut off and, and just have something you enjoy, you know? Yeah, like we say, it's very rare to be able to nail down a 100% perfect diet. But if you can get it to 90, 95%, then enjoy the other five, enjoy the other five to 10%, you know, have what you like, you know, you you, you know, full well that you've got it nailed, you know, full well, you're 90%, you're 95% is down, nailed. So enjoy, enjoy the other bit, you know, why not? Yeah, it's that word, people use that word balance. Like, is is there actually ever, is there even such a thing? Do you know what I mean? Like, does it actually exist? But what you need to do is kind of create it in your own mind for what you're doing. And um, so I think that's really important. You know, I always try to get people like, I had a client this week who ran a 44 minute PB over the marathon distance, like um, on Sunday, you know, and he was like, we we're like, we'll make sure we nailed down the recovery. And I was like, you know, I can have a burger or a beer and, you know, enjoy yourself, but like, you know, uh, on Sunday, make sure you get enough water in, you're going for a walk and doing some foam rolling and things like that. So it's, it's quite important to, to actually schedule them in the odd time. And, um, but to realize that you're not, you're not, all your hard work doesn't go out the window um, with, with one little meal. Do you know what I mean? So like, you know, one hot day doesn't make a hot summer. One bad meal won't make you fat. It's, it's many, many of them back to back, you know? So um, just to think about that as well. That's right. That's great. So um, if, we, if we're to take it back then to um, endurance training, 
and yep. um, we talked about uh, getting fat adapted is obviously better so you can access your fat stores, keep the training low and things like that. What I often get asked uh, by people is, well, if I'm training slow and I'm trying to access my fat stores, what happens then when I try and go run a 5K? Where's my speed gone? Yeah, well, I suppose the thing is, right, is that it would like from a periodization standpoint and a training planning standpoint, um, depending on the time of the year, depending when you're doing events and stuff like that, you, you try periodize it into your calendar or your month and stuff like that. If 100% of your training is slow, you know, that that's what you're going to become very good at. If you go out and run six minute kilometers every day, you're going to get really, really good at running six minute kilometers every single day. Now I will say, you know, the world record holder at the moment over the 50 miler is is a carnivore or a we are whatever he is. He's a he's a he's a big meat eater anyway, Zach Bitter. Um, one of his arch nemesis who like he took the record off is like a full on vegan. So they're complete and utter polar opposites and they completely disagree with everything that each other does but they're both supremely elite athletes and they're both very, very good at what they do. So what I try to get people to do is that, you know, just because you're training slow doesn't mean that you're going to be a slow runner. Um, you can still run fast, you know, but what I would make sure to do is you're going to have to obviously do that in training. That's the thing. Um, so adding in some things like interval sessions, kind of tempo runs, things like that. But, you know, you don't have to run hard and run fast all the time to get faster. A lot of it will come down to you just being a little bit more efficient, um, a little bit stronger of a base and stuff like that. Um, and just, you know, the number one thing I try to get endurance people, and I'm going to use the word athletes, endurance folks to do, just be a little bit more patient. You know, we want the fast, we want the 5K BB next weekend, not next month, you know. So folk, just be a little bit more patient, get consistent, don't, not every session has to be flat out hard, but just just take your time and, and build into it. So you mentioned the um, periodized training and you've touched on 80-20. Um, is that like, would you say to people, periodize your year, periodize your month, periodize your week, or over, over all of you training the whole, the whole lot, periodize the whole lot? What would you say? Great question. So one of the things that I've started to do over the last number of years is start to really look into the whole world of periodization. One of the guys that, you know, I, I read a lot of his work, I follow a lot of his stuff is Dr. Steven Seiler. Um, so he does a lot of really great work on periodization and stuff. And he, you know, he's a big advocate of we're training too hard, basically, you know. So I, again, I'm in the longevity camp. Like I said, I want to be doing this for quite a long time. So I understand if I keep going hard all the time, um, I'm going to get burnt out and I want to try my best to avoid that. Um, so I took a kind of a, no, an 80, 20, I took more of an 85, 15, or maybe an 87.5, 12.5 approach to um, my preparation for America, because my number one goal was to not get injured in the preparation. Cause I knew I could possibly get injured during it, but I, I'd be able to push through, uh, but not to get injured in the preparation to get to the start fresh, very, 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 very aerobically fit. Um, and injury free. That was my key. So for the ultra endurance stuff, yeah, a lot of easy, easy training is 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 what I is what I would recommend if anybody's thinking of getting into ultra stuff, or even now at this time of year, if anybody's looking at an Ironman or anything like that, you don't need to be walloping yourself on the turbo trainer every night doing intervals, doing track sessions every single night. That time will come for those when you need to kind of tune things up and get a little bit more dialed in and specific. But now is a massive opportunity. I had a call with my own clients last night. I was like, guys, there's 66 days left in 
2020. Like I will be using those as best you can to build your base, to get consistent, to get the body ready for the work it's going to do in 2021. So from a periodization standpoint, I would look at your year, I would look at your events and then I would work back. What a lot of people get caught doing, Matthew, is they get caught event hopping. A lot of people event hop. So they go from one event to the other and they go to the other. Big one in Ireland for us. I'm not too sure if you have any big events in the UK. The end of October is the Dublin City Marathon. Um, so everybody, you know, they train all year to the Dublin City Marathon and then they just shut up shop, get back training again in January. Two or three years pass. They're like, I run the same time every year, you know, at the Dublin City Marathon. I'm like, yeah, well, it's because you do the same thing all the time. You know, you don't do any specific work. So, you know, adding in events, figuring out what your A events are, your B events and stuff like that, and then working them in together um, and just being smart in your approach, not going gung-ho inspecting a PB at every single race that you do. Um, I think picking your A races, you know, and working back from that, creating a plan and then kind of going from there. But just to understand that on the periodization thing as well, just a quick note is, is that everybody adapts in different ways. So some people might really like adapt very, very well aerobically. Um, and even, you know, if you follow kind of a heart rate training protocol in your training to things like easy kind of periodized training from a polarized approach. So 80% of our training, super easy, 20% is a little bit more intense. Um, it's, some people will adapt a little bit faster. Some people will take a little bit more time. Um, but just to stick with it, that's what I'd recommend. Always play the long game. Try your best to play the long game as much as you can. That's right. And I think it's great to emphasize on the fact that make sure easy is easy and hard is hard. Because I'll say to somebody, okay, do a little bit of easy training and then look at the heart rate afterwards. It was, you know, around about the 160 mark, something like that. And say, oh, yeah, yeah I felt okay. It felt, it felt fine. It felt easy. But it's really important to emphasize easy is easy. I always say it's one step up from being sat on your couch. You know, just make sure it is nice and low. In, in the, <laughs> it, it keep that heart rate down. But then on the other end of the scale, your hard has to be hard. You're never going to make any progress if your top end is not hard. What people struggle with is, like you say, they get stuck in the middle there, you know, just training in, in the zone three, let's call it zone three to fours, get stuck doing that, doing intervals all the time, and then never make any progress. The only way you're going to make progress is bouncing from one to the other, one to the other. When, when we talk about 80-20, we talk about 80% being super, super easy. Take it nice and easy. Let your body adapt to the training you're doing. And then the 20 or the even less, if you want 20, 10%, needs to be super super hard smash it out of the gates type of thing so i think that's important to say absolutely i agree with you and you mentioned zone three right <clears throat> so i call zone three no man's land because a lot of people spend a lot of time there and there's no not not saying it doesn't have relevance or value but it does of course but you know unless you're racing at zone three and i don't know about you matthew but when i race i'm in fucking zone five for the most of it you know so that's what you want to be able to try and train so like you said Easy work should be done easy. Hard work should be done hard. People get it wrong. People do their hard work too easy and their easy work too hard. Um, and some people don't like it when you say it to them, but that's, the, that's just kind of how it goes. You know, sometimes ego gets in the way when you're meant to do the easy stuff. Um, and then, you know, your, your bravery can kind of be, be a little bit shy when it comes to doing the hard work. So that's something I try to get across to people all the time is that like, you know, if I'm writing sessions for somebody, it's like, this should be very difficult, you know, and they know going into the like, I need to make this hard um, or this should be really easy. You know, I, I just I, I, I add in one, one, uh, one asterisk um, 
when it comes to kind of uh, training by perceived effort that I've noticed over the last kind of maybe six years or so, and it's with um, females actually. So depending on what age a female athlete might be or a female um, training for an Ironman or a marathon or their first ultra or something like that, um, depending on what part of their cycle that they're in, um, a lady might, you know, do a training session and then they might repeat that session again in two weeks time and find it a lot harder. Um, so that's just one thing to know for females, if there's any ladies listening in that I, I do think it's, um, it's important to take that in consideration. I've just know any female clients I work with, I'm like, you know, like, you know, I ask them, you know, like about their cycle and stuff. And they, at, at first they think it's a bit weird. And then towards the, towards the end, they're like, Oh, like, John, thanks so much for even considering that. You know what I mean? So, it's really important to, to take that into consideration as well. Um, and if there's any lads listening, lads, we're, we're just, just do the work. Like you're fine. You don't have anything like that to worry about. So I think, you know, it's so just ladies have a little bit more um, to consider when it comes to that stuff. Cause you know, things like heart rates and stuff like that can uh, fluctuate throughout the month um, as well as weight and just how hard a session feels, you know? So that's just something to note as well for, for yeah, the ladies uh, listening. That's that great. I'm pleased you touched on that because that's, that's true in the training. As you say, it's also true with the nutrition. If, if the, they are trying to carb restrict and, and finding it difficult at certain points, you often find that that females um, in a lot of the studies and things that are now being produced, there is some new studies out there on females because you'll often find a lot of studies are on males. But there is now quite a lot of studies out there on females and it shows that their own body starts to eat out at their glycogen stores at certain different points in the month. So if they're, if they're struggling, um, it's really important to think, well, what sort of time of the month am I at? Is my body shouting at me wanting more carbohydrates? And, and also, obviously, if you are training, then like you say, take that in mind that your body's using extra glycogen, wanting extra carbohydrates if you're training, but making sure that your nutrition as well is going along with how you feel. Because we've said it numerous times in this podcast, it's all about individuality. Every single person's individual. Some women will say, no, it don't matter. But some women will really feel that they're depleted at certain times of the month. So I'm, I'm pleased you brought that up. That's great. Yeah, I think it's really important because like, um, uh, you know, I'd say, Matthew, maybe 60, 65, 70% of the people I work with are, are female. So it's a, big, it's a big part of my day most days, you know, chatting to girls about this stuff and I have no problem doing it. I think it's really important. I think he's, you know, as, as two lads, I think it's great that we're even talking about it and bringing it up in conversation. So, you know, I think it's um, it's something that girls have to be just quite conscious of, you know, and not, not to be afraid to talk about it either. I think that's a big thing. You know, any ladies in my group will know that they're, they're no problem. They come to me, but, you know, just even things like planning your races and stuff, you know, you know how things work in your, in your body and maybe, you know, don't, don't plan a race around a time where you maybe you struggle, you know, and maybe try plan your races at times where you feel your best in your cycle and stuff like that. So, you know, all these things are, they're small, but they, they add up. Yeah, and I don't know about you, but I've noticed a lot more females now are starting to take on these marathons and ultra marathons and, and triathlons. You know, there's the, the, the uptake in females is great. You know, it's great to see. So that's something. Uh, I've got a question for you, Shane, from a sure. listener. And uh, he, he says he's going to do an ultra marathon uh, next year. Super. Um, he has done marathons before, but he's a high carbohydrate burner. He knows he, he, he whacks the gels down, he whacks as much down his body as he can to get him over the finish line. Super scared about trying out this fat adaption phase. And he wants to know if he manages to do it and he manages to become fat adapted, what then should he be consuming in an ultra marathon? 
Good question. First of all, welcome to the dark side, my friend. I don't know what uh, the name of the guy who who uh, who asked the question is, but welcome to the dark side. And uh, yeah, once you dip the toe into ultras, I, it will suck you in and it will never leave you back out. Um, it's like going to the pub for one and then you come back like late into the late into the night so basically what i would do first of all on the nutrition side of things is take your time if the ultras next year you know mid summer or whatever over in the uk um now is the time to start manipulating and trying things out and trying some fasted training um in the event itself it's going to be kind of difficult because a you've got two options in an ultra you either carry everything with you or you eat what they have on course Sometimes in ultras, depending on what it's kind of how it's organized and stuff like that, some of the ultras can be rough and ready and they can kind of, you know, the, there's just a table in the middle of a field and whatever's there is which, what you have to roll with. And that that's okay as well. Other times you can be a little bit more prepared, you know. So I personally kind of recommend there's a there's a company here in Ireland that do like really healthy, clean protein bars and they're quite high in fat. They're called All Real Nutrition. So that's what I would consume. Um, in, a, in an ultra or something like that then if you feel like you're starting to dip a little bit it might have something like uh, banana or something like that or some kind of a very simple sugar and um, again i know what i practiced once in a in a 60k ultra was um i just had some kind of i had no gels or anything like that i just had a couple of small mouthfuls of, of flat coke um, and that was a small little sugar hit but it really helped and kind of pushed me along long to the end because I was trying my best to get into the top five and I was neck and neck with this Filipino guy for like four hours so uh yeah I had to have a little bit of sugar there just to kind of keep me going but again to realize that that's a small amount it's not like a bottle every hour or a gel every 20 minutes it's a small amount just to keep me going um but as well what you'll notice uh as you get a little bit more fat adapted, you become a little bit more confident in yourself and you'll be able to go for um, a little bit of a longer time. Um, and the last thing I'd say is enjoy it because you're going to unlock a little bit more endurance as well, I feel, especially when you're going at a lower intensity. So uh, yeah, have fun. Yeah, great. <laughs> Fingers crossed there then. <laughs> uh, that's, it's been brilliant talking to you today, Shane, and uh, I value your time, so I'll not keep you any longer. But uh, if people really want to follow you and, and find out where you are, let's uh, tell them where they can find you. Absolutely. Um, thanks for having me today, Matthew. I really, I really enjoyed the chat. Um, yeah, so uh, online really is is where I'm kind of at at the moment, unless anybody's located in the southwest coast of Ireland. Um, but yeah, I'm kind of here at the moment, geographically. I hope to spend some time in uh, in Boulder, in Colorado, uh, in 2021. I was supposed to be there this year, but that uh, that virus thing has kind of slowed me down a bit. Um, so online, I'm just uh, it's shanefin.com is, is my website, and then on social media, I'm shanefin uh, at everything. So uh, yeah, if anybody wants to get in touch or there's any questions or anything like that, uh, yeah, be sure be sure to reach out. And also, don't forget to mention your podcast, Shane. Oh yes, so yes, sorry, the podcast. Yeah, so I do forget to do that sometimes. Uh, I'm the host of the Pushing Limits podcast. So again, we have conversations with inspiring people from all over the world, from uh, people who face massive adversity to some of the top triathletes and, and runners in the world. So yeah, it's a very broad uh, show, and it's a great, great, great. Uh, it's growing, growing quite quickly. So yeah, it's a lot of fun. I enjoy it. I've met a lot of great people through it, and uh, yeah, people seem to be enjoying it. So it's uh, yeah, it's all good. So people can go check that out as well. That's brilliant, Shane. Thank you very much for your time today. Cheers, Matthew. Look after yourself, man. Thanks again. That was great. Thank you, Shane, for that. I've followed Shane now for a few years and I've seen him go from high-carb athlete to pure fat burner to then where he is now, which is a super efficient, metabolically flexible machine. 
After we finished recording, Shane actually hinted at a training camp he may run in the future. And if you go follow him on Instagram or Facebook, you'll see the amazing scenic places he gets to run around every day in Ireland. And I told him, I said, if you do do that, sign me up because his daily photos are just inspirational. Now, we chatted a lot about being a fat burner. And I just wanted to clear up that this means you have gained the ability to access and burn your body fat stores as a predominant source of energy. I believe to become the best athlete possible, it is mandatory to become a fat burner. However, even if you are not an athlete, your body will still thrive at its best and benefits to your health are paramount by also becoming a fat burner. So whether you are training hard, jogging now and again, or just walking around the block, your body will function at its best with the ability to burn energy from its fat stores. Now, with all that being said, everybody needs to understand that exercise alone cannot help you become a pure fat burner. It's all about the nutrition. That may seem a little controversial to say, as plenty of people add exercise into their lifestyles and then see positive outcomes like weight loss or increased energy levels. But to understand what I mean and how this works, then take a look at the diagram I posted on our Instagram page at Human Nutrition Lifestyle, on our Facebook group, and on the website. The diagram says more than I can in a thousand words, but just to give you an idea of what it is, nutrition is the most important aspect to unlocking your potential in your health, in your longevity, to avoiding chronic disease, avoiding injury, avoiding illness, and performing at your very best. Now, if you exercise, then that is great. But you need to realise and accept that exercise is a smaller piece of the lifestyle and health jigsaw than the much larger piece that that nutrition plays. So, again, I'll say, there's only nutrition alone that can turn you into a fat burner, and it is not exercise alone. So hopefully throughout these podcasts, I'm helping you understand how you can design your own nutrition to make sure you become a fat burner and make sure that you can inevitably be metabolically flexible and can call on any energy resource at any time. However, if you still have questions and you're still not sure what's going on, then just get in touch. There's no There's no bad question. If you're unsure, just ask the question. You know where to contact me. You can email me humannutritionlifestyle at mail.com. Follow us on Instagram at humannutritionlifestyle. And there's the Facebook group you can join up to as well. Thank you very much for listening. And remember to live the best version of you that you possibly can. I shall see you next time.